Um, and we will be talking about um, the false doctrine, one of the false doctrines of the Roman Catholic Church. The Lord laid this lesson on my heart, and I kept going back and forth. Lord, are you sure this is what you want me to teach on? And I can't get it out of my mind and my heart. So, for some reason, I need to be teaching this. It's just one aspect of the false doctrines of the Roman Catholic Church, but I believe it is a very, um, it's really the basis of all the other doctrines. Um, and if you understand this, you'll understand why everything else in the Roman Catholic Church is the way it is. And I want to just say, I have this a little farther down in my introduction, but I want to say it now. I, I just want to say this, that this morning, please understand I'm not trying to bash the people of the Roman Catholic Church. I'm not trying to come down in any way. I don't advocate the fact of having a disgraceful or a disgustful attitude towards Roman Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church or Roman Catholics. But in order for us to, to be able to witness to them, effectively, we need to understand why they're wrong and where they're wrong so that we can then use the Word of God because we have the promise of the Word of God that it won't return void, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and we can give them that Word and be able to help them see where they're wrong. And so that's what I want to do today. I want to equip you with some tools um, and, and some understanding to be able to then to help you be a witness in uh, this world where there are uh, some, just some misunderstandings. So I want us to read Galatians chapter 1, and then we're going to read just verses 6 through 16 here. Galatians chapter 1 verse 6 says, I marvel not... Or, sorry, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ into another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received... Let him be accursed. For do, I, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if, yet, for, if, for if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, to reveal a son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, Lord. And I just pray that you would help me now as I teach this morning. Lord, you know my heart and you know, as I've already said, that I do not want to come across as being disgraceful or dis, uh, disgustful towards uh, people that are in the stranglehold or the stronghold of the Roman Catholic Church, and I pray that you'd help me to be able to impart uh, to these people 
some helps to help them as they witness, Lord. And I pray that we would be an effective witness. Our pastor has the vision that you've laid on his heart to fill our Jerusalem with your doctrine, with your word. And I pray that as we do that, you would equip us with the tools we need and that Holy Spirit, you'd work as only you can. Bless the time be with all the other classes, all the other teachers. I pray that your spirit would be evident today as we hear your word preached and as we sing and as we do different things today. We thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today, one of, I, wouldn't, I don't know if I'd say it's the greatest danger, but one of the dangers uh, to biblical Christianity today is the deliberate disregard of biblical truth for the sake of unity. And in the last few decades, you've seen that Christianity, and I use that term loosely, um, uh, but Christianity, not necessarily Bible-believing Christianity, but Christianity has been advocating the removal of the walls of a division amongst Christians. And they want to come together in unity. And instead of warning believers that this false unity is the emergence of the last day's apostate church, evangelicals and even some Bible-believing Christians are embracing and applauding those who are engineering that unity. But we see here very clearly right away, and he says it twice, Paul says clearly, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have pre- that we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. So what is the root problem? Well, the root problem, tragically, is that uh, evangelicals, an increasing number of Uh, Bible-believing Christians, and even Roman Catholics alike, continue to move away from sound doctrine for the cause of unity. And let me tell you, when we disregard biblical truth for the sake of unity, what we're doing is we're allowing the walls of separation that separate the church from the world to come down. Doctrine is what divides us from, divides believers from unbelievers. And while unity and brotherhood sound wonderful to a hostile world full of fighting and killing, the Bible condemns any unity that is not founded on God's word. Paul says it twice. I mean, obviously, within a verse. He doesn't even have another verse in between. It's like, I said it already once, but I'm going to say it one more time, just in case you didn't get it. That, and then he, and he adds to it, then, that if they preach any other gospel, then that ye have received. I'll get back that, to that in a second. There's no spiritual unity whatsoever between those who believe the gospel and those who do not. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? It's clear. True Christian unity is molded, a model, excuse me, not molded, uh, modeled when believers are united together in mind, faith, and purpose to serve the Lord Jesus Christ while submitting to the authority of of the word of God. Now, as I already said, please understand that we need to have the right attitude, a loving Christian attitude towards the lost, including those that are in the stronghold of the Roman Catholic Church. We need, Christ came to the lost and he wants to save them. So we need to remember that, not come across as being brass or, or uh, brazen or just mean or just whatever, however you want to describe that. But we need to also understand and address this matter of false doctrine. And, and, and really, when, we're going to, when we deal with Roman Catholics, we have to start with this. What 
have we received? Look at verse 9 again, as I already said. If any man preach any other gospel unto you, then that ye have received. We have to address this matter of what have we, or what have they, or what do they believe they've received? This, in essence, is what causes the division between us and them. And the answer to this question of what they have received, or what we have received, has caused Roman Catholics to invent what is known as church tradition. Church tradition. So I want to just address that one angle of Roman Catholic. The Roman Catholicism or the Roman Catholic Church is church to tradition. Or they call it apostolic. Uh, another phrase you might see is apostolic tradition. Roman Catholics in their writings agree with us that the Bible is the inspired word of God. However, we differ widely as to the authority of the Bible as well as what is contained in it. We, that is us Bible-believing Christians here, especially at our church, believe that the Bible alone is the authoritative and sufficient rule of faith and practice. But the Roman Catholic Church holds that the Bible is not sufficient for faith and practice, and we'll explain why and how and all of that in this lesson. And the difference of belief concerning the authority the Bible has and will continue to have a very radical and far-reaching effect on the Roman Catholic Church. The age-long controversy of belief between us and the Roman Catholics has always had its basis in this question. According to the Roman Catholic Church, is the Bible the sole authority for faith and practice? In order to understand and answer that question, we have to answer the question, what have we received? So I wanna, I'm going to look at the Roman Catholics' meaning of tradition. Now, I'm going to quote a lot from their teachings. So bear with me. Um, I'm, I... I I want to do this because I don't want to just start saying stuff without having this. This is a lot of stuff is from their their writings. One of the big writings is what is called De Ver, Verbum, De Verbum, D E I, and then Verbum. It's their writings on the revelation of Jesus Christ and and what they believe um, has been given to them, what they have received. Okay, so I'm going to be recording a lot, and hopefully I'll do it quickly, with, but also not so quick that you don't catch what I'm trying to say here. So what, are they, what is their meaning of tradition? Sacred or apostolic tradition consists of the teachings that the apostles passed on orally. This is what they say through their preaching. These teachings largely, perhaps entirely overlap with those contained in scripture, but the mode of their transmission is different. According to the Catholics, church tradition is a, an accumulation of unwritten words and extra biblical writings, that is oral tradition, that were passed down by Christ to the Roman church and the apostles after the Bible was completed and the canon of Scripture was closed. But as, you're going to, as we go along, you're going to see that Roman Catholic tradition is just the words of many men that they have invented. They, it almost, if you read that, it's almost like it sounds a lot like what we would say. But if, as we're going to see, a lot of what they're saying that is church tradition is stuff that was given by men after the canon of Scripture was closed, after the Bible was completed, and they continue to add to that as they see fit. You also see that, the view, that this view of apostolic tradition will govern the way that they interpret many scriptures concerning tradition. The Bible talks about the traditions that we've received and tells us to hold fast the traditions that we received. But the way they look at tradition and when they read those verses, they always interpret it differently because of the way they look at the, the tradition and how they get it, the transmission, if you will. 
So what is the view of their tradition? That was a meaning. Now the view of their tradition of tradition and the Bible. They first of all say that the Bible contains an incomplete message. This is what they say. The Bible is a chance collection of missionary writings. Notice that word chance. It does not give a general view of revealed truth. We find welling up between Christ and the scriptures, a living teaching of the church guarding and explaining the truth. Through every gap and rift in the Bible, message gleamed the clear waters of tradition. It's quite evident, and this is somebody else at uh, John Henry Newman, um, who was, uh, sounds like a very leading um, Roman Catholic during the 1800s. He said, it's quite evident that the, this passage, and he's referring to the passage in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17, that says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. He says, it's quite evident that this passage furnishes no argument whatsoever that the scripture, the sacred scripture, without tradition is the sole rule of faith. For although sacred scripture is profitable for these four ends, still it is not said to be sufficient. So they say that it, comp- it contains an incomplete message. It's not sufficient. They also say that the Bible must be supplemented with tradition. Romanism holds, quote, that the Bible must be supplemented by a great body of tradition consisting of 14 or 15 apocryphal books or portions of books equivalent to about two-thirds of the, the volume of the New Testament, the volume, voluminous writings of Greek and Latin church fathers, and a huge collection of church council pronouncements and papal degrees as equal value and authority. So that's what they say the Bible has to be supplemented with. All those other things, the 14 or 15 apocryphal books, uh, all the writings, the Greek and, Latin, uh, Greek and Latin church fathers' writings, all the pronouncements, the papal degrees, all that has to be included in this, what they say is the Bible. It has to be supplemented with tradition. Then thirdly, they interpret the scripture in light of tradition. They say there exists a close connection and communication between sacred tradition and sacred scripture for both of them, and this is a quote again, for both of them flowing from the same divine wellspring in a certain way merge into a unity and tend toward the same end. For sacred scripture is the word of God in as much as it's consigned or committed to the writing under the inspiration of the divine spirit, while sacred t- tradition takes the word of God entrusted by Christ the Lord and the Holy Spirit to the apostles and hands it down hands it on to their successors in its full of purity so that led by the light of the spirit of truth, they may in proclaiming it, preserve the word of God faithfully, explain it and make it more widely known. So then it furthermore says, consequently, it is not from sacred scripture alone that the church draws her certainty about everything which has been revealed. Therefore, both sacred tradition and sacred scripture are to be accepted and venerated with the same sense of loyalty and reverence. They want both things to be venerated. And that's, that's straight from the Vatican's um, website, by the way, vatican.va. If you want to go read that, just don't read it at night. You'll fall asleep. Um, I, I had to do this when I was awake. <laughs> by the way, I, had, I was asked at the church I was at before to do, we did a big series on uh, Roman Catholicism, and basically each of us took a an angle of Roman Catholicism and showed why it was wrong. So this has all been done. I didn't do this all last week 
in, in the midst of school starting as well. This is not something you sit down and just throw together in two seconds. Um, it does take a while to put all this together and actually make sense of it because it all is very, it gets very twisted in your brain about <laughs> who's saying what and where are we at. And I'm trying to keep that straight for you guys. Hopefully I am. All right, so let me just explain all that. Let me just put it down on our shelf since that's very, um, a lot of verbiage that I wouldn't really use. Um, in professing to interpret the Bible in light of tradition, what the Roman Catholic Church has done in reality is places tradition above the Bible so that the Roman Catholic Church is governed not by the Bible, not by the Bible and tradition, but by the church itself, which sets up the tradition and says what it means. Now, if you know anything about history, you know that was a very important thing back before Martin Luther. That's how they controlled people. The church tells you what it says. The priest is the only one that can say. Now, I know that that stronghold has probably lightened up a lot since then, but it's still there. Theoretically, the Roman Catholic Church accepts the Bible, but in practice, she does not leave her members free to follow it. Then fourthly, they believe that there are two sources of authority. Roman Catholics hold that there are two sources of authority, Scripture and developing, that's important, developing tradition. This is what they say with the church being the judge of Scripture and therefore able to say authoritatively what the right interpretation of Scripture is. This, in effect, gives three authorities, the Bible, tradition, and the church. Well, in doing that, as I already said, they're setting it up so that the Roman Catholic Church can control. And really, if you think about the sacramental system, the sacramental system is, the, is really just a control of what's, that, so they can control their people. You say, you're, you say the, the kids have to, and babies have to be um, uh, baptized into the church. If you get your kids baptized in church, then you have control of the whole family, really. And if you really, and it, there's, and I, I, I don't know why I was even thinking this. When I first put it together, I thought I would go over church tradition and the sacramental system all in one sermon. I realized that was too much. That was two 45 periods worth of a ton of information being thrown at them. So I took that part out of it. Um, but the sacramental system, you sit there and study that, there's so many controlling factors in that, and it's all about control. They say then that they have made the popes, fifthly, they have made the popes and the councils, not God, the author of Scripture. Um, the Council of Trent, you might have heard of that council. Um, in the year 15, this is a quote, the Council of Trent in the year 1546 declared that the Word of God is contained both in the Bible and in tradition that the two are of equal authority and that it is the duty of every Christian to accord them equal veneration and, res and respect. Now, if you, um, the Council of Trent was the most authoritative of all Roman councils and is one of the greatest, of the greatest historical importance. Uh, it's the one you hear a lot about. And it, and it actually pronounced one, more than 100 anathemas or curses on anyone who then or in the future would dare differ with any decision that they made. Now, anathema is the same word as accursed right there. And, it, and it's, it's the same Greek word used there in verse 8 and verse 9. So they, and, I, and that, that in itself, they are saying they're going to curse people with a, more than 100. Um, I don't, Paul wasn't saying he was cursing people. He, he's saying God said, under the direct inspiration of God, he's writing this, that if you preach any other gospel, you're accursed. God has the right to pr pronounce anathemas on people, not men. 
okay? Um, that's the first problem with that. They're pronouncing the anathemas, not God. The Council of Trent, that is. Alongside, though, the written word of God, they maintain an unwritten word, an oral tradition, which they say was taught by Christ and the apostles, but it's not in the Bible, which is, and it's just what is handed down from generation to generation by word of mouth. And if you look at this, there's actually a list of my, by the way, my father-in-law was um, a Roman Catholic. His, his mom and dad both just got saved after 45 years of praying for them. And... Um, they were, at least mom, his mom, his dad was indifferent. He was a Lutheran, I think, but um, his mom, my father-in-law's mom, was a strong Roman Catholic. And he was brought up in that. And, and we were talking about this when I taught it um, probably almost a year ago now. And he gave me a book. And in that book, there's a list of 45 traditions. That book was a little bit older. 45 traditions or really heresies and inventions that the Roman Catholic Church invented during just a period of about 1,600 to 2,000 years. There, the, many of those traditions were written actually during the Dark Ages. And they were, they're filled with immorality. They're filled with superstition. But that's what they're talking about when they're talking about tradition that's been handed down from generations, supposedly from Peter all the way down. Okay, And we all know what they think about Peter. Um, we'll just leave that for another day. Um, but so they, they have the, they really are putting, what they're doing then is really making the popes and the councils not God the author of scripture. They want to have that control. Then they have the wrong view of the Holy Spirit's involvement with scripture. Um, now they technically do not claim that the pope receives new revelations or that he's inspired by the Holy Spirit as were the prophets and the apostles when they wrote scripture. But, and in fact, they actually deny that they don't, they say they don't even um, make up any new doctrines at all. That's what they, they claim. Um, rather, they insist that ex cathedra, you probably have heard that term, ex cathedra, that in ex cathedra pronouncements, the Holy Spirit enables the Pope to draw out and proclaim what has belonged to the original revelation. And they, don't, and they, and they claim, it does claim, a divine presence of the Holy Spirit in giving them ex cathedra pronouncements and in the formation of traditions. But at any rate... By this device, what they're saying and what they're trying to profess is that they maintain the unchangeability of the church, but all in reality still adding new doctrines to it. So they're saying, that, they're trying to say they're just like us, that they would say that the Holy Spirit doesn't give us any new doctrine. Once the canon of Scripture was closed, the Bible is completed, we don't get any, you know, the Holy Spirit only leads us into the truth that we have right here. But in essence, really, they say that, but all the while tongue-in-cheek, doing the other thing and, and adding to it. Well, that's not the Holy Spirit I read about in Scripture. The Holy Spirit I read about in John chapter 16, verse 13, says he's going to guide us into all truth. He's not, he, for he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Because we have the completed word of God, the Holy Spirit is not going to lead us to extra-biblical new doctrines. We have everything we need here. Now, I know that's not very um, palatable to the people out there in this, this day and age. They want to come up with all kinds of stuff because they don't really like what's here. So why don't we come up with some new stuff? Maybe, it'll, maybe people will like it a little better. Maybe they'll come more to our church. No, we have it right here. This transcends all time. 
And it's amazing when you see that. If you, if you read the Bible and you see that, it just, I don't know, I get excited when I think about the fact that the Bible was written over thousands of years ago, but yet it still yes. is effective. Yes. We just have to stay with it and, and do what it says and preach what it says, even though it not, might not be very palatable. And it's not going to be palatable as we go along. The more and more we get into the last days, it's not going to be palatable. We never were given the promise it would be palatable, but, I'm, okay, I think I've used palatable enough in that the last few sentences. All right, um, sometimes when I get keyed up and, and, and antsy, I start saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. Um, I used to say, mark it down. That's what I used to say. We asked my dad when I would preach before, mark it down, mark it down. I think I've gotten a little better, a little better about that. After teaching, you know, for six and a half years and standing up for 45 minutes every single day, you kind of learn things, and the kids are nice to you, and they're really nice. They'll tell you the truth about what you sound like. And they do it all in such a good attitude. They come up to you and say, you know, it's kind of funny that you say the same thing over and over again. I know, that's a hint that I'm very annoying. Okay, I get it. Um, now I'm rambling. I ramble also, so i got to stop. Bless him, Lord. Bless him, yes, bless him. Bless his heart. All right. Um, let's get back to the notes. Number seven. They believe, that is the, the Roman Catholic Church, believe that it, quote, belongs to the church to judge the true sense of Scripture. Now, this, um, now this was an idea that was especially prominent during the Inquisition, um, the, where the Council of, Valen of Valencia in 1229 A.D. published a list of prohibited books. If you remember... During the Inquisition, they had this list of prohibited books, which they said that Catholics were prohibited to read. Now, that publication and that list has actually ceased as of 1966. But the Roman Catholic Church, as far as I understand, still um, monitor in many ways what their members read. They're instructed only to read Catholic edition Bibles that have um, introduction, Catholic introductions, notes that explain the text, but I find in 1 Corinthians 2 that even lay people with the guidance of the Holy Spirit can interpret scriptures diligently, comparing spiritual with spiritual, not, you know, or what we would say can, um, comparing scripture with scripture. That's how we can learn. We don't need the Catholic church saying this is what you're supposed to think about this passage, but this is what they say, quote, in their... Um, the readings, how can we know which traditions are apostolic and which are merely human? This is what they're saying. The answer is the same as we know as how we know which scriptures are apostolic and which are merely human. By listening to the teaching authority of Christ's church. Without the Catholic Church teaching authority, we would not know with certainty which purported books of Scripture are are, are authentic. That's hard to say if your tongue is Tied. If the church revealed to us the canon of scripture, it can also reveal to us the canon of tradition by establishing which traditions have been passed down from apostles. After all, the New Testament itself declares the church to be the pillar and foundation of the truth, end quote. So they're saying really um, by claiming uh, that, they're really saying that the church again has the control. And that's all that, that's, a, that's what they want. We know, we do know that any, anyone that's been around for any length, even short of time, know that the Roman Catholic Church is all about control and controlling people. 
Um, and again, I know that's loosened over the years, but I do still think um, I've dealt with a lot of people on the bus that um, one family in particular, my wife and I know very well that even though that's loosened, they're still all about controlling, you know, the school controls the kids, the, the, the church controls the family. They come, if you don't do what they want, they'll come to your house and talk to you and, and you know, basically give you this long um, spiel about, you know, make you feel bad about what you've done so that they can still get you to come to their school and to their church and give them the, you know, so on and so forth. Um, now, while claiming to follow the written word of God, you can see that the Roman Catholic Church really has placed another source of authority alongside Scripture as of equal importance. They put church tradition really alongside of the Scripture. And when this happens, we all know that Scripture eventually becomes relegated to the background. It's kind of like the Mormons. They say they believe the Bible, but they also have all these other things on top of it or alongside it, if you will. And really what happens is the scripture gets relegated to the background and the other gets pushed to the front. In doing this, they've nullified the true, the true word of God and placed their unwritten word above God's word. Now, very quickly in the last, last few minutes of, of my time, I was supposed to get to this page at 1020. It's 1032. Um, took me a lot longer. I got all timed out. I do this all the time. Get excited and start typing away, and I forget the fact that I only have 45 minutes. All right. Um, I'm not the only one. It sounds like Pastor does that too sometimes. He gets really excited and just wants to keep, but he gets to keep going. See, I'm only a one person here, and I know everybody says, well, he'll let you teach again. He wants to get through Micah before the end of the next two years, so I don't think he's going to want me to be teaching every week. Um, I probably should stop. He's not even here to defend himself. Okay. um, He might even be listening to me somehow. I don't know. About 2.45 this morning in Hawaii, he texted me and told me he was praying for me. And that was a blessing, but it was 2.45 in Hawaii. I'm like, wow, I'd have been sleeping at 2.45, but it's all right. It wasn't 2.45 here. Okay. um, Biblical reasons, very quickly, to reject church tradition. I kind of highlighted stuff as I've went, but a lot of stuff I've just been throwing at you tons of quotes and trying to help you understand where do they say they, what do they, how do they view tradition? What is their view? So let me just give you, I probably have to go through these quickly, but I think we know enough about scripture in this class to know without me having to read everything. Uh, First of all, scripture is sufficient for faith and practice. It's the complete standard for truth. Second Timothy chapter three verse 14 through 17 very clearly says that all scripture is given by inspiration. And it's profitable. Now, they believe that the Holy Scriptures refer, that are referred to there is referring to both developing apostolic tradition as well as Scripture. And they actually believe that because of that, Paul said that we should remember both of them. And then there's another passage. I want to read this one real quick um, that they use a lot. I, I did see this in their writing, 2 Thessalonians. So that was 2 Timothy chapter 3 that I just referenced. But now 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 Verse 15 is another one they use a lot. Second Thessalonians 2, verse 15. They say uh, they have a different view of this than we do. It says in verse 15, 2 Thessalonians 2, 15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now, Catholics interpret whether by our word or our epistle to really sanction what they say and their unwritten words, their dogmas, their traditions. Again, it's because of the view of their tradition. That's why it took so long to read all that stuff to help you understand where are they, what do they mean by tradition? It's not the same as we believe. Um, 
But we see in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. These verses alone that I just read bear out the fact that scripture alone, no counsels, no unwritten word of the Roman Catholic Church is given by inspiration of God. And it's not going to make us perfect. Only the word of God makes us mature and perfect. And that is why Martin Luther cried in the Reformation. One of his many rallying cries of the Reformation was sola scriptura, or scripture alone. That he, now, I don't agree with Martin Luther on every single thing he... He still believed he was a good person in the Roman Catholic Church. Okay? So there's some weird stuff about Roman, uh, Luther. But I have to say, God used him to move in history to really change the course of history. If it wasn't for him and many others, our history would still be controlled by the Roman Catholic Church. Okay, so, um, no, I'm not going to say I agree totally with uh, Martin Luther. Um, We know from his belief and and his teachings that the the Lutheran Church came from that. But that's neither here nor there, and it's for another day of... Of study, So, we do not deny, of course, now the Roman Catholic Church is, they'll say in John, remember John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, it talks about the miracle Christ had done that weren't written. But it says, these are written that ye, can, that ye believe. If you remember John 20, verse 30 and 31. Now, they, and they, they say that, but really they actually interpret that passage as to say that John's gospel, not the whole Bible sufficient. They say that the Bible is not all we need for salvation or theology, and they even furthermore say that the Bible is not even necessary to believe in Christ. They're saying that, why? Because they want to control again. They want this. If they said that the Bible was enough to believe in Christ, we would debunk every belief they had. So they can't claim that. (laughs) There's no way they can. I mean, their sacramental system in itself, that's just one part of the whole system, will be, would be totally debunked if we said that Scripture is the only thing necessary to believe in Christ. But we see in John 5, 39, search the Scriptures, not just John's Gospel, as the Roman Catholics say, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Second Peter 1, verse 19 says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto Ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. So we see that, that we have what we need. We have the sufficient, complete standard for truth. We don't need tradition. We don't need a Roman Catholic priest to stand up here and tell us more than what we need. Secondly, we know that the Bible is the complete word of God because we are told the faith was once delivered to the saints. Jude chapter, well, there's no chapter in Jude. Jude chapter one, if you want to stick with saying chapter. It's hard when you preach all the time, you're saying chapter, chapter. You just say it without even thinking. Jude, Jude verse three. Jude verse three says, Beloved, very familiar passage, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common sal- of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, I'm going to get back to that, that phrase, once delivered, there in a second. But then in 1 Corinthians 11, 2, I'll read this one just from my notes. Now, I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances. That word ordinance is the same word 
Greek word for traditions, as I delivered them unto you. I was not able to find the actual tense and what it's name is there's a tense in the Greek and I'm not like I'm like pastor I don't study the Greek all the time I studied enough to understand a little bit but what I understand from that word once delivered and delivered is that it tells us that this body of truth was given during one particular period of time and then it was complete it's not progressively begin being given to us but the Roman Catholics are really saying they're progressively giving you more and more and more and more so we know that we have the complete word of God because we've been told we, it's been delivered to us. It, it was delivered in a particular period of time, and it's complete now, and we have what we need. Thirdly, a seal was placed on the final chapter of the final book of the Bible signifying its completion. We know, all the, we know this chapter in verse Revelation 22, verse 18 and 19, that if we add to the book or take away from it, we're adding to ourselves the plagues that are written in that book. Anyone who claims to have new revelation or tradition equal to the Bible fall under this judgment. Then very quickly, God has promised us to preserve his completed word. There's many, I, I only have three of them, but there's many different verses on the preservation of God's word. And I always say, if you don't believe in the preservation, if someone doesn't, and I know you, I, I'm, I'll say it that way, if someone doesn't, I think all of us in here believe in the preservation of God's word, but if someone doesn't believe that God preserved his word, Really, they have a problem with God. Because God, who's the mighty God of heaven, who wants us to read his word, why would he not have preserved it for us? Why would he have not, in his all-sufficient, all-knowing wisdom, preserve his word for us? And for the English-speaking people or the other people that speak different languages, he did preserve his word. And there's many, many promises there. And then we're urged to follow the inspired tradition given by the apostles, not the uninspired traditions who, of men who have come after them. I don't have time to go through this, but if you look at, really, if you study tradition, there's actually two ways tradition is used in the Bible. One is in reference to what has been given us in, 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 through the apostles that's inspired. The other one is the uninspired teachings. It's the ones that Christ condemned. Remember Christ condemned people for making their tradition above that of God's word? Uh, Matthew 15, Mark 7, if you read those passages, he was telling them, why are you taking your tradition and making it above my word? You're actually, in essence, you're not doing what you're supposed to. You're so concerned about your tradition, you're forgetting everything else I even said in my word. I mean, and, and we know those passages, but um, obviously, when we talk about tradition, we're talking about the inspired tradition, not the uninspired tradition that Christ condemned. And then... And I'm just zipping through notes. Man, there was lots of stuff there. Um, those who exalt their tradition to the level of Scripture are condemned. I already mentioned that. And seventhly, Roman Catholic tradition cannot be right because it clearly contradicts the Bible. Um, and it actually contradicts itself. If you look at the traditions, um, the, the Roman Catholic priests, are when they're ordained, they solemnly vow to interpret the Scriptures according to the unanimous consent of the fathers. But if you, if you read... There are many examples of the fact that they don't even agree with each other on stuff. <laughs> so they say they're, they're, they're going to uphold everything. They're all going unanimous, to unanimously consent to be the same, and they're not. God's not the author of confusion. It's 1 Corinthians 14.33. He's not going to cause that. that God's not going to give us something that's confusing. So those are some quick, very quick um, 
reasons why we believe. So what I want to just point out again is the reason why I think one of the reasons, I don't, I don't know why the Lord wanted me to teach on this, but nonetheless, I think one thing we can take from it is, again, not uh, to bash them, but to do what First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, but sanctify the Lord your God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in, in you with meekness and fear. If we're going to fill um, Rapid City with our doctrine, we're going to need to be equipped to be able to talk to people with the right attitude, with a loving attitude, um, and, and admonish them. Admonish means to, to do it in a right attitude, to lo- do it in a loving attitude, but be able to do it very clearly so they understand where they're wrong. And, and maybe they're not going to get right right away. It's not going to be like all of a sudden they're going to fall down. Maybe they will fall down before you and get saved. And praise the Lord if they do. But sometimes it takes a long time. For, think about 45 years it took my... my uh, my dad's mom to finally, or my, not my dad's mom, my father-in-law's mom to finally let the Lord work in her heart and get saved. It, took, it takes a long time, especially if you've been born into it and you've heard it and heard it and heard it and heard it and that's all you've heard. It's not easy. So let's end with prayer. Father, thank you for your word and Lord, I pray that you would take what has been taught today. Um, just help us to be Uh, witnesses for you, Lord. I pray that this would give us a burden for the lost, and especially a burden for these Roman Catholics who are just lost, Lord. um, Lord, I'm sure there's going to be people that we come across. Maybe even there's somebody here in this room that has family members that are Roman Catholics, that are stooped into that uh, religion, Lord. And I pray that they would have wisdom and discernment to know how to help them and to Uh, give them the word of God. And I pray that you'd use the word of God. Bless our time together. Bless the services. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You're dismissed.